Turn with me this morning to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. I want to preach to you a thought that's been on our heart for some time now, and the Lord give us the direction to go ahead and preach this this morning. I, I preached uh, about half of this thought one Sunday here, and uh, probably some of you looked at me like I was half crazy, so I want to preach the whole thing this morning and just give you what God has put on our heart this morning. I want to preach to you this morning by a tree. By a tree. Y'all all right? Amen. Amen. Y'all still awake? Amen. All right, I was just checking. Amen. Genesis chapter number two. Find your place in the Word of God. Go ahead and stand so I know you're awake. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter number two, verse number eight. And the Bible says, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out from Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. Let's skip over to verse number 16. The Bible says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our Father, we thank you this morning allowing us to be here. God, this privilege you've given us once again, God, to be in your house. Father, I pray for every soul, God, that may be here this morning. I pray for every heart, God. I pray you touch them, God, Lord, from the depths of the soul. God, I pray, Lord, if they be a lost sinner, God, you'd save them. God, if they be a backslidden Christian, God, I pray you'd reclaim them. God, I pray this morning, God, that you'd help us. Father, this morning, God, as we stand in this place, God, that we... Realize this morning, God, that flesh has failed. God, many before. God, I pray you'd anoint us, God, of the sweet Holy Ghost of God. I pray, Father, this morning, God, these words, God, that fall upon listening ears, God, and upon open hearts. Father, I ask you this morning, God, that you'd help us, God, just to get out of the way. And God, I pray you'd just sit down in our midst, God, for a few minutes. Father, I thank you. Praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Genesis chapter number 2, this very familiar place in the Word of God to you. We find great truths that are found here in Genesis chapter number 1, Genesis chapter number 2, and Genesis chapter number 3. As the Lord laid in our Bible this morning a foundation as to what everything else would hinge on in the Word of God. And in Genesis chapter number 2, in the verses that I read, we find in verse number 8 that the Lord God made a garden in Eden and He put man therein. He made a garden that was perfect. He made a garden that was without curse and without sin. He made a place for man to dwell in that was unlike anything that you and I have ever seen or ever even could my friend begin to imagine in our minds a garden that is perfect. Everything that we have ever known as humans has been something that has been imperfect. Everything that we look at this morning is imperfect in some way or another. The most perfect thing that we can see with our feeble eyes friends, still has imperfections in it. But the Lord God made a garden in Eden and that garden was perfect. And He put man in that garden. The Bible says out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food, the tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want you to take special note this morning in the Word of God that the Bible says that in the Garden of Eden there were two specific trees. There was the tree of life and then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These are two specific trees and they are two different trees. My friend, they were both planted in this garden. Now there are many other trees in this garden that's been planted. Many other vegetation, many other things 
things that God is planning for man to use in this garden. But he makes specific these two particular trees of the tree of life and of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he goes on over here into verse number 15 and the Bible says that the Lord God took man and put him in the garden to dress it and to keep it. And then he gives in verse number 16 and 17 a commandment, my friend. He says, And the Lord God commanded the man saying that every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. My friend, that sounds pretty good, don't it? That God has made a perfect garden and God has given them rain over this garden and they are to dress it and to keep it and they may eat of every fruit of that garden except for one fruit. And he says in verse number 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. Now that's pretty plain instructions in the Word of God. Thou shalt not eat of it. There are things in our life that God simply says to us that are very plain. He says thou shalt not eat of it. There are things in our life that we very well know that the commandment of the Lord is thou shalt not. God has given us things that are very specific for us not to do. My friend, the Bible goes on to say, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. There is no doubt about the fact that God has given these two individuals, Adam and Eve, as he creates her in a few verses. My friend, that God has given them a place of perfection. God has given them a place of beauty. God has given them a place of provision where everything they needed is provided for them. But my friend, God gives them this one commandment. My friend, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as sure as the goodness of God is in all that He has given them, that they can freely eat of every other tree, of every other fruit. They had access to the tree of knowledge. They had access to the tree of life. They could have eaten of the tree of life if they wanted to. My friend, they could have eaten of any other tree. But God gave them a commandment not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And just as sure as the goodness of God is, my friend, the severity of the punishment of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. Friend, it was a sure thing that in the day they eat, they would surely die. The Bible goes on in chapter number 3. You find in verses number 18 through 25, those verses are devoted unto God giving Adam Eve. In that He took Adam and put him into a deep sleep and He took out of the rib out of his side and He made for Adam Eve. He made a helpmeet for him and that Eve, my friend, would be the mother of all living. We go into chapter number 3 and we find here, I'm going to read some of these verses if you want to look on. And the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God and made and he said unto the woman yea hath God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden and the woman said unto the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God hath said ye shall not eat of it neither shall ye touch it lest ye die now I want to stop right there just a minute I want to say that ain't what God said Amen. Look back over in verse number 17. What did God say? He said, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, when Eve took the word of God here, she got a little misconstrued in it, and she said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. God never said she couldn't touch the tree. God just told her not to eat of it. Amen. And God didn't say, ye shall die, but God said, ye shall surely die. God said, there's no doubt about it. There's no way around it. There's no way you're going to bypass it. In the day that you eat of that fruit, ye shall surely die. Now, God had given them all this goodness and that they could freely eat of every other thing. But my friend Eve was concerned about that one tree. Amen. Amen. 
That tree, no doubt, the outside of it was just as beautiful as any other tree that had ever been. The fruit, no doubt, was just as pretty. And no doubt it was in season at this time. And it was just as beautiful as any fruit had ever been. My friend, I can imagine as she walked through the garden that day, my friend began to smell. Maybe even that fruit had an odor about it that smelled good, that attracted her to that tree. And we find that this old rascal Satan, he comes by in the form of a serpent as a subtle creature as somebody that she was not afraid of as something that she took no thought of danger in and friend he comes back to where she is and he begins to find a weak spot and he begins to find Eve in her weakness and he begins to deceive her that's how Satan works in your life I'm going somewhere with this if you'll hold on to me alright Satan always works in our life at our weakest point You may be here this morning and your weakest point is right now where you're at in your life. I want to say to you, you need to be on guard because if you've got a weak point in your life, Satan is looking for that avenue and he's looking for a way to enter in and he's looking for a way to deceive you. He would love to get you out of church. He would love to take your testimony and stomp it in the mud. He would love, my friend, to take you back to the old lifestyle you used to live. He would love his very best to get you to the place where you are numb to what God's doing, where you are numb the love of God and you are numb to the Spirit of God. Satan would love his very best to deceive you in such a way that you cannot feel the presence of a holy God. It's important for us as Christians to be on guard every moment, every second that we live, every moment that we wake. It is of utmost importance that we are on guard watching for those weak points in our lives, that we stand strong and contend for the faith. Friend, because it may be today that you're at your weakest point. It may be tomorrow that you're at your weakest point. But Satan is waiting and ready to get you in that time. He comes to Eve at her weakest point. Notice that he did not come to Adam first. Notice that Satan came to Eve. Notice that he came to the weaker vessel, as the Bible says, and he came to her and he began to take the Word of God and he began to misconstrue it. In verse number 4, he said, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. I can just hear him saying that, can't you? When we was in high school and boy, peer pressure would get rough and you'd want to do something that you knew that mom and daddy didn't approve of and you knew nobody else approved of, you knew that it would go against what God wanted you to do. There'd be a little voice come in your ear say, Ah, oh, it ain't going to hurt you. You're not going to end up like those other folks. You can go out and party and you won't become an alcoholic. You can smoke one joint and you won't become a drug addict. You know what? That's the same voice that was standing in E's ear that said, Ye shall not surely die. That's the same voice that when you feel like laying out of church, you feel like I can miss a Wednesday night. I can miss a Sunday night and they won't nobody notice. That's the same voice saying it's okay. You've had a hard week. You can rest tonight. That's the same voice that came to Eve in the Garden of Eden and said, Ye shall not surely die. Do you recognize that voice this morning? It's important for us to recognize that voice 
when he says, Ye shall not surely. Taking the Word of God and misconstruing it. Putting doubt and casting doubt upon God's Word. When David said the Word of God was a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. David knew that the Word of God was something that would be founded forever. It was founded from the foundation of the world. And this very day and hour it is ever settled in heaven. My friend, the Word of God will not change. Satan may try his best to get in your ear and say, Ye shall not surely die and cast doubt upon the Word of God. But you can rest assured this morning that the Word of God will never fail. But it will always stand sure. And what God said was right will still be right. And what God said is wrong will still be wrong. And what God said is sin is still sin. Whether it was Old Testament or New Testament, what God said is sin is still sin. Now the handwritings and the ordinance of the law been nailed across the Calvary. We're not under those handwritings and ordinance of the law. But the Ten Commandments, that's still sin, ain't it? Amen. Amen. Sin is still sin. Has not changed. But that old voice is still the same too. Ye shall not surely die. It'll be okay. It won't hurt you. He goes on down in verse number 5 and he said, For God doeth know that in the day you eat thereof that your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Satan takes a truth and he misconstrues it to the place where it looks like it's going to be a blessing. He makes something, my friend, that's going to be a detriment to the life of Eve and a detriment to the life of Adam and a detriment to the life of all of humanity. He takes something, friend, that is a truth and it's, my friend, it's a bad truth and he makes it look like it's going to be a blessing in her life like it's going to take her further than she's ever been before but in reality it's going to take her lower than she's ever been before Satan does that also he'll take something in your life that may be a truth He'll take a concept or a doctrine that may be a truth. And my friend, but it may be a wrong doctrine. It may be a wrong truth. Do you realize this morning there's many things out there that are truth, but they are sinful truths. Amen? There's sinful things out there that are true, my friend, but they are sinful in their nature. And Satan takes them and makes them look like a good thing. And he blows them up makes them think you're going to get smarter than you've ever been. You're going to get gooder than you've ever been. You're going to look prettier than you've ever looked. You're going to go further than you've ever went before. But my friend, in reality, he's dragging you one by one to the pits of the devil's hell. He goes on, verse number 6, And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, it was in season, it was ripe, and then it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof. By a tree, this fruit upon this tree, Eve sees it in season. It's pretty and it looks good. Young people, sin is always going to look good. Sin's always going to be in season. Sin is always going to be ripe and ready for the taking. But you must remember that God's Word still stands sure. Even because that looks good, sin don't look like a rotten apple hanging on a tree. Now I'm not saying this morning that was an apple hanging on a tree, but I'm just saying whatever kind of fruit it was, it was not rotten. It looked good. Sin will always look good. 
that boy you don't need to be with or that girl you don't need to be with, they're always going to look good in your eyes because Satan is going to paint a pretty picture and he's going to try his best to blind you from reality. That boy, woman, man, or girl, my friend that you've been thinking about messing around with, I want you to know, honey, what's on the inside of that, that outside covering is nothing but destruction and detriment in your life. Honey, it's going to cause you, my friend, to owe a debt that you can't pay. It's going to cause your friend to be in a shape that you never dreamed you would be. Looks good on the outside. That alcohol or that little drug or maybe just that little thought that's been strewing in your mind, that lust that's been building up on the inside of you. Honey, on the outside, it's always going to look good. But we know and we realize that it's going to cause so much harm. He saw that fruit and she took of that fruit. Why? Because she was deceived. She was beguiled. She took the Word of God. Now, I shared this with the class this morning, but think about this. If Eve had had a Bible, it would have been two verses. Amen. Verse number 16, 17. It would have been two verses. Of every tree you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat, and from the day thou eat up, thou shalt surely die. She had a Bible with two verses, yet she still couldn't quote it right. Amen. It's of utmost importance this morning that we get it right. And we get God's Word right and we nail it down right. That's how we get deceived. It's when we misconstrue God's Word. When we take a little bit out to suit us. Or we add a little bit here to suit what we're doing. I heard a statement one time said, if you want to know what kind of sin your preacher's doing, just find out what he ain't preaching on. And that's what he's doing. So honey, I'm going to try my best to preach on everything coming and going. I'm going to try my best to preach from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to preach hell hot and heaven sweet. I mess up my friend just like you do. But I know where it opens fashion altar is. I know where to get down on my knees and say, Lord, I've sinned and come for the glory of God. Just because I'm saved by the grace of God, carry a Bible under my arm. Just because I'm the pastor of Savannah Baptist Church don't mean I'm perfect. But honey, I realize where I go to when I get in a bad way, in a bad shape. I get in an old-fashioned altar and ask God to forgive me. And I'm glad this morning I've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That is faithful and true when I ask. And when I I confess that He will forgive my sin. And you know what? If He'll do it for me, honey, He'll do it for you. Don't think that you went too far too long because God is a forgiving God. It'll take your sin. It don't matter how many times you've made promises or statements. It don't matter how many times you went back and wallowed in it. God is still a forgiving God. God still loves you. That's why you're here this morning because He's a holy God that loves you without measure. Loves you more than anybody's ever loved you. That's why you're not in hell this morning. Because Jesus loves you. That fruit was good to look at. He took of that fruit, she eat of it. Now before this, in the last verse in chapter number 2, the Bible says, and they were naked. Now they were naked physically, but spiritually they were clothed. Spiritually speaking, they were clothed in the Shekinah glory of God. There was no scene of their nakedness because the glory of God was so thick around them. They were clothed. The very moment that Eve took of that fruit, she began to eat of that. That glory left. That glory left like that. You realize that your power with God can leave like that. 
Your glory can leave right there. Your touch of God on your life can leave right there. Now there's a span of time. I don't know how long it is. It may be seconds. It may be minutes. It may be hours. But that glory has left Eve. But Adam is still clothed in that glory. Amen. Eve standing there. She eats of that fruit. It leaves just like that. Adam's still standing here in the glory of God. Eve stands there with that apple. Hand outstretched. Adam's standing there in the glory of God. I can just imagine and see in the theater of my mind as Eve is standing there in her nakedness, in her shame, in her disobedience before God. Adam's standing here still clothed in the glory of God. Can you imagine what was running through his mind? Here he looks at this beautiful thing that God has given him a help need. And my friend, the, time, the span of time, I don't know how long they were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned, but my friend, however long they was there together, they had been knit together because Eve had been made out of Adam. And no doubt she, he loved her with a love that was uncomparable because God had literally taken her out of his side and God had made her out of him. So there was a love there between those two. And God had given Eve unto Adam and so he loved her he began to look at that one whom he loved and he realizes that there's a difference now. her glory's gone we can't have the same relationship we have the glory's gone and Adam looks at himself you say preacher what are you getting at scripture says in 1 Timothy the Bible says that Eve was deceived being found the transgression. You'll never find in your Bible where Adam was deceived. Amen? You'll never find it. Adam looked at himself. He looked at Eve. He looked at himself. He looked at Eve. Maybe he opened up that little two-verse Bible. He looked at the commandment of God. And he knew, he willfully knew, that if he took that fruit out of her hand, and he began to eat of that, he knew that that glory would leave him just like it did Eve. He knew that he would be under the condemnation of a holy God. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, he knew what he was doing. Willfully, he reached out that hand. He ate of that fruit. He became made in the likeness of Eve. Lost that Shekinah glory. Lost his power with God. You know the story the Bible goes on. The Bible tells us, amen, about how they made fig leaves and all that sort of stuff. The Bible goes on to tell us how that God made them a promise. God made them a promise that there would be a seed that would come out of their loins. And that that seed, my friend, would, that it would bruise the, the heel of the woman, but the, that seed would stomp the head of that serpent. God made a promise that day and that hour of redemption. God took a lamb, killed it, made a coat of skins out of it. You say, praise, how do you know it's a lamb? Well, just by, through the Word of God. God always used a lamb, didn't He? God ain't going to change it up the first time. I don't believe God took anything else. I believe God took a lamb. God made a coat of skins that was sufficient for their covering. You read in Genesis chapter number 4, the Bible says that Adam knew Eve, and they conceived and bare a child. And when Cain and Abel was born, Cain was born first, Eve said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She was excited. She was happy. There ain't been many of you women been in childbirth and been happy about it. 
You may have been happy after the baby was born, but you wasn't happy while it's going on. Honey, Eve was tickled absolutely to death. You say, why? Because she knew that God had made them a promise that there would be a seed to come. And when that seed came, that was an answer to the promise of God. That was an answer to what God said He would give. You see, out of their very own loins, on down through the ages of time, God sent a seed. God would send another land. God would provide redemption for mankind. So, by a tree in the Garden of Eden, mankind failed. By a tree, all of humanity became made in the nature of sin. Romans chapter number 6, the Bible speaks of that thought. Romans chapter number 5, excuse me, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all is sin. For under the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when we, there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Now get this, who is the figure of him that was to come. Adam was a figure of him that was to come. I'm preaching slow this morning so you get this. Adam was a figure of him that was to come. By a tree in the garden, mankind failed. Some 2,000 years ago, God planted a hill, a tree on a hill called Calvary. God took the darling Lamb of God that came out of the very seed of Eve and of Adam. My friend, the God-man, Jesus Himself that was made in the likeness of our sinful flesh, yet He did not sin. He was God manifested in the flesh and by a tree on Calvary's brow. Friend, He suffered, bled, and died there. He suffered on that cross with agony beyond compare. He was beaten and mocked, His beard plucked from among His face. Crown of thorns beat down around His head. Blood running from the top to the very bottom of His body. Friend, Him nailed there, couldn't even breathe without picking Himself up on them old rusty nails. My friend, that old na- that old back that had been scarred and marred, rubbing up against that old rough hewn cross. My friend, every fiber of his being ached with pain. He said the strong bulls of Bashan had raised upon his back. They had made long their furrows. Friend, the pain and the suffering that he went through was far beyond compare. But by a tree man fell in the garden. But by a tree on the hill called Calvary, God redeemed mankind. By the second Adam. Friend, Adam was after the similitude of the one that was to come. Jesus Himself became exactly like Adam was in that He seen us as Eve. Friend, that one that had been taken, you see the Bible says that we were made in the image of God. Friend, we were made in the likeness of God. My friend, God loved us because we were made in His image. We are essentially a part of God. But my friend, when we fail in sin, God looked at us and Jesus looked at us and he realized the only way that we could ever be redeemed would be for him to be made in our life. So Jesus took our sin. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he drank that bitter cup. When darkness fell there on Calvary's brow, from the sixth hour to nine, darkness came upon the earth. God the Father took all of our sin. And God laid it on the account of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus stepped out from the glory of God. And He stepped over to where we are. Not because of what He had done, but because He is willing to take what we had done and put it on His account. Are you following me this morning? 
Jesus left the good glories of heaven. He left that rainbow encircled throne of God. He left the high walls of heaven friend to be made in the likeness of our image uh, that he might die a death uh, that you and I this morning deserve to die. By a tree, man fell in the garden. But by a tree on a hill called Calvary, man was redeemed. Jesus stepped out from the glories of heaven that you and I might be redeemed. Somehow or another, I don't know how Adam knew this, but I believe Adam knew when he stood there and looked at Eve. He knew there was no way that he could ever win her back. There was no way. But he knew that somehow or another he was made likeness of her image. That he could, there would be some kind of redemption plan that God would do something. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that's merciful? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that had a plan before we ever knew anything about a plan? By a tree in the garden man failed. By a tree on a hill called Calvary, my friend, mankind was redeemed. And if you go over here to Revelation chapter number 22, you'll find in Genesis, Revelation 22, the Bible says, And he showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal. What did we read about in the Garden of Eden? There's a river flowing down the middle of it, wasn't it? Now we read about a river that's as clear as crystal proceeding out from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life. Did you get that? On either side of the river was the tree of life. Now Adam and Eve could eat the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, but they didn't. Because they'd live forever if they did. Now what would have been sad is if they ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil, went directly to the tree of life and ate it. Then they'd have had to live forever in a sin, sinful state. Amen. Think about it. Think about it. That's why God sent that angel with a sword, that cherubim, to guard the way to the tree of life because they had to be redeemed first. Their sin had to be washed away. They had to get right with God before they could eat of the tree of life. Amen. I know that's deep, but that's good. But you, you get home and you get thinking about that, you'll shout in a minute. Amen. That God done all, God worked all that out just for you. By a tree in the Garden of Eden, man failed. On a hill called Calvary, God redeemed mankind by a tree. Genesis chapter number 22, God's prepared for us a sheep. That'll be much like the Garden of Eden, but much better. There'll be a river flowing out. The Bible says it's clear as crystal. I've never seen a river that clear. I've seen some water that's pretty clear where you could see the fish and you could see the rocks and the floating in the bottom, but my friend, I've never seen anything uh, that was perfectly clear. Uh, but that river will be perfectly clear. Uh, and on either side of that river will be the tree of life. Uh, there will be no tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, God replaced that, uh, uh, my friend, with both trees of life. Amen. We'll be able to go up and eat that tree. There'll be nothing in them that will defile or decay. There'll be no abomination, but there'll be those there. The Bible says whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Titus chapter number 2, verse number 14, or verse number 13 speaks about the blessed hope and promise that we have. Verse number 14, he goes on and said, Who gave himself for us. Essentially, Adam gave himself for Eve. He willfully sinned willfully became disobedient to God that he could be redeemed. Jesus 
willfully left the splendors of glory, willfully came to this earth that He might be made with you and that you might be able to go back with Him. You get that? Jesus came to this earth, became the perfect sacrifice. Book of John tells him the propitiation of our sin. That means the satisfaction of our sin that He might get you by the arm and take you back where He's going. He gave Himself for you. You may be here this morning and you've never known a love like that. Little John spoke of that. He said, Behold, what manner of love. He said that in such a way he had never seen anything like that love. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We have never seen a love like that before we got saved that somebody would be willing to be made like us that we might be able to be made like them but Jesus done that for you friend you may be here this morning lost and undone in your sin you may be here this morning and you've already eaten that fruit you've already been deceived you've already taken to that friend the Bible says that all the sin that comes short of the glory of God the Bible says there's none righteous no not one I want you to know there's not a person in this building uh, that's any better than you are uh, this building consists of two people uh, saved and lost uh, and those that are saved they once were lost uh, but now they've been found uh, we're all the same made up of the same fiber made up of the same being uh, we all have the nature of sin dwelling inside of us uh, but my friend there's one thing uh, that separates us uh, and that one thing is the blood of Jesus. Friend, this morning Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. Would you accept Him? Would you trust Him? Would you accept the sacrifice that He paid for your sin? If I get you to come to the piano and everybody stand this morning. By a tree mankind fell, by a tree mankind was redeemed. And because of all that, by a tree we'll get to live forever. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, God's speaking to your heart. Jesus died for you. Jesus died a death that you should have died. Jesus paid a price that you could not pay. Jesus became what you could never be that He might win you. Would you come this morning? You may be here. You feel your heart inside of you begin to beat. Can I just go ahead and tell you that's not normal? Because normally you don't feel your heart beating on the inside of you. When you start feeling that heart beating, that means God's dealing with you. God's trying to get your attention. God's trying to let you know that He's in control of your life. He can give it and He can take it. But all the same while, He's wanting you to know that you're still here because He loves you. You're still here because Jesus died for you. And all He wants you to do is accept Jesus as a payment for your sins. Just essentially saying Amen. You say, preacher, is it that simple? Well, you just need to agree with God. When we say amen, that means I agree. 
Well, God's saying you're a sinner. You need to be saved. God's saying you're a sinner. You need to be saved. You need to say, I agree. I agree. Slip out of your pew and make your way to an old-fashioned altar and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a payment for your sin. The only thing right now standing between you and hell is the grace of God. The only thing standing between you and hell right now is your decision you're fixing to make. Would you come? You see, Adam had to make a choice. You may not realize this, but Jesus made a choice. He came by free will. He said, I lay my life down freely. No man taketh it from me. If Adam had to make a choice, Jesus had to make a choice. On this day, those Savannah Baptist Church, there's somebody in this building, you need to make a choice. You need to make a choice. Would you choose Christ? Maybe you're here and you don't just exactly understand how to be saved, but you know God's dealing with you. You slip out of your pew and come this all. There'll be one of these men, me or my, myself, Brother Danny, or I or one of us, we'll get down with you in this all. We'll take a King James Bible. We'll show you how to be saved. Not our opinion. Not a church doctrine. We'll give you a straight Bible. How to be saved. Would you slip out of your pew this morning? Jesus died for you. And the only way you're ever going to get to that tree of life is through Him. The way He's been guarded, the way He's been protected, the only way you're going to get to it, to the tree of life, is through Jesus. Would you come this morning? I'm not on an ego trip. I'm nothing on my own. I make mistakes and often slip. Just common flesh and bone. But I'll prove someday just why I say I'm of a special kind. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He Stained in crimson.
Though his eyes were on the crowd that day, he looked ahead in time. For when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. So unworthy of such mercy, yet when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Would you do this morning? If you're here this morning, you're lost. Would you slip up your hand? Say, preacher, I want you to pray for me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want me to pray for you. I tell you, if I was here this morning, I knew I was on my way to hell. I'd want somebody to pray for you. Somebody else this morning. Somebody else this morning, you'd lift up your hand. If I was here this morning, I was lost and undone. I knew I was on my way to hell. I'd want somebody praying for me. Would you slip up that hand real quick? Preacher, I just want you to pray for me. If you slip up that hand, I'm not going to persuade you. I'm not going to plead with you any longer. If you slip up that hand, I'll pray for you. Maybe there'll be somebody else here. Preach, I'm out of the will of God. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up that hand? Preach, I'm out of the will of God. Would you pray for me? Preach, I know that I'm saved, but I'm out of the will of God. Would you slip up that hand real quick? You see, whether or not you slip up your hand this morning, God knows your heart. God knows who you are. God knows your heart. It'd be a lot better day for you if you'd mind here this morning. You'd do what he wants you to do. God bless you beyond measure. You'll just trust him. I was thinking this morning coming up the road, I was thinking about a family. They've had a lot of trouble in their life, but they're saved by the grace of God. There's been very few times I've ever seen that trouble get them down. But they've always held strong. Always held a testimony that they love Jesus. Do you realize that whether you've got a good life or a bad life by our physical standards, if you've got Jesus, it don't matter at all. Amen. Whether you've got money or whether you don't, whether you've got worldly possessions or whether you don't, it don't matter if you've got Jesus. You'll have peace in your heart. You can look. I love you, church. We appreciate you.